Gar and I, as you know, as we sit here together and, and talk about this, we, we understand accountability and we are accountable for what this team did this year. We don't run away from it. We accept it. Uh, that's that's on us. Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. For me to be here in the NBA organization, such a historic organization that Chicago Bulls, so it's just a dream come true for me. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. This is going to be a process. It doesn't, you'll snap your fingers and it all happens at once, but um, that's the plan moving forward. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm Jordan Malley, along with Matt Peck. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com, and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we are live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnBulls, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. Subscribe to the show. That's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Make sure to follow the Locked On Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. So back after a day off from the show, it's good to be back here on a Friday. Hopefully we can bring you in to the weekend with some nice, mostly positive news about the Bulls here. We've got plenty to talk about, uh, including the obvious and most important headline here and that the Bulls are going on a on a win streak. And this is this is very this is out of everything that we thought was going to happen this season. This is kind of um, this kind of a surprise. So also tear (laughs) on a tear. Screw the rebuild. The Bulls are fighting for that eighth seed. (laughs) <laughs> and also to dabble into a variety of topics relating to the Bulls, including another conversation about Nico Miritich, maybe lo- looking at a couple of advanced analytics uh, in terms of his game. And I have a surprising note for you, too, that I think is going to kind of shock you. Also, a couple quotes from him, too, from his post game after the Utah Jazz. I want to get you your thoughts, Matt, on some of the things that he said and kind of uh, the tone that's changed, I think, in Nico. Also, Chris Dunn. Fans booing in return uh, from returning players, uh, specifically Paul George. I want to jump into that at the end of the show. And also, if we've got some time, we'll uh, grab a few questions off of Twitter and from our email as well. But Matt, what do you make of this win now over Utah? We talked to David Locke uh, on Wednesday, and he said this was a must win for Utah. And it looks like from the the sheer shock from Jazz fans, they're embarrassed that the Bulls came out and beat them. And I've got to say, this might have been the best fourth quarter I've seen the Bulls play this season. They certainly, I mean, this was another close game that they came out on top of another game where Chris Dunn makes some clutch plays down the stretch. And, you know, in some of our episodes last week, we were talking about the issue the Bulls have had in that 10 game losing streak where they're dropping a bunch of winnable games where they're in it in the, at the end and they just don't have any closers and that being a, an increasing problem. And what we've seen in this winning streak is the Bulls, other than the blowout against the Celtics, they've all been close games. They've all been up for grabs in the back half of the fourth quarter. And whether it was marketing in the first couple of wins or done in these in these second wins uh, or, or the win against Utah, like the, the young guys that you want to see be be the ones to make those plays down the stretch are making those plays. And that's the big difference. At the same time, let's pump the brakes. Let's not panic about the tank exploding and going poorly because we've stretched together some wins. I think the win against the Celtics was, you know, uh, 
a, a series of fortunate events with them playing on a second night of back-to-back and having no Kyrie Irving. We talked in our Wednesday episode with David Locke about how the Jazz have really been struggling. They did not shoot the ball particularly well from behind the three-point line in that contest. They're still trying to get things figured out. They're missing a key piece. That was Rodney Hood's first game back. Uh, I, I still think that this Bulls team is going to lose a lot more than they win. And, and I would go as far to say that that still be the case even when Zach Levine comes back. Has it been a nice break from losing lots of games as somebody who watches all those losses? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see these young scrappy Bulls, you know, put together a few consecutive wins. But let's not push the panic mode and say, oh, my God, we're not bad enough. We've won four straight. Everything's going horribly, horribly wrong. It's nice to see. But, it, you know, th- this winning streak could end tonight against Milwaukee very easily. I mean, Nico Miritich is making us stick our foots in our mouths for for real. I mean, these four games, he's played great. And like I said before, it's four games. I know a lot of people are getting all up in arms and all, oh, oh look at Nico Miritich. And everybody's quick to Twitter to get their Twitter fingers rolling. But like, it's like, okay, it's four games. I'm giving him credit that he's playing well. He's pl- from an offensive standpoint, especially he's playing well. He's doing a lot of things. Um, that we saw, I think, mimic what he was doing in his rookie year and why he was so successful in his rookie year. This driving to the basket, being aggressive, not just posting up at the three-point line and trying to knock down threes. So that's kind of a different side of Nico Miritich that we're seeing. Let's also remember, too, the Bulls are historically bad, too. This is a historically bad offense before Nico Miritich returned. So is, is it surprising that he's putting up a bunch of buckets and that he's knocking down shots? Not really. Like, it's not that, it's, it's not that surprising. So... Um, that too, I think plays into a factor, but like I said, you know, we get to January 15th and he's still playing as well. He, as he is, you know, I, I will fully admit that I was wrong about Nico Miritich at least at this point. Um, but another thing too, with this Utah game, with Chris Dunn struggling in the first three quarters, you know, shots weren't falling for Chris Dunn his ability to come back in that fourth quarter and make some really tough buckets, especially the one at the end that went viral where he, you know, did a crossover move step back and drained, drained the two. Um, He then went to the front of the crowd and mocked some words. And I just loved it. I, I loved every minute of it because Chris Dunn at his confident at his most confident, which I don't even think he's there yet, but him doing this and showing the ability to kind of take on that role. And he said it earlier this week, He said that he wanted to be the leader, be that guy that can close out games. He said, nobody on this team has really taken on that role. I want to be that guy. And it was cool to see Chris Dunn do this on Wednesday night. I mean, I think it's something that all Bulls fans are starting to get behind is the sense that, hey, like maybe the early season struggles we saw from Chris Dunn weren't a continuation of his what a lot of people called a bust rookie season in Minnesota. And maybe this is we're starting to see more of the kid that everybody was so hyped up and excited about in the 2016 draft. The number five overall pick is looking more and more in this Bulls little streak of wins here that he he looks to be worthy of that draft pick. And he looks to be worthy of a big piece of a trade where the Bulls essentially started from scratch and traded away a top 15 player in the NBA. And I think that's. Sort of, you know, it's it's a combination of excitement and also I think a little bit of relief from Bulls Nation to be like, okay, maybe this trade wasn't the worst thing in the world. Maybe this kid Chris Dunn has potential to be our starting point guard as we try and like set this new path for ourselves. And regardless of whether you're talking about his ability to push the pace offensively, to distribute, to attack the rim 
and he's finishing at the rim a little bit better than he was earlier at the season. And he's also surprisingly shooting the ball. Well, these are all pleasant surprises. And I think it's, it's a combination of excitement and relief from Bulls fans who were very skeptical when he was a piece included in that Butler trade. So I want to talk about Nico Miritich's comments uh, post game after the Utah Jazz game. Uh, I, I've been I've been telling you guys, you know, I've been very positive, and uh, some of you guys I, I've been thinking that you guys thought I was joking, but I was not joking. I was very very serious, and I tell you, Joe, we're gonna be four and all. Uh, you know, I think we. Like I said, we, we have to keep building from, from this, you know, it's going to come some tough games now, but, uh, you know, with me back, uh, we, we have more chances now. feel like he has changed tones, and like I had said maybe earlier this week or it was late last week, that I feel like Nico Miritich is pretty much trying to sell himself to any other NBA team around the league at this point, changing his tone. His confidence is at an all-time high, and he keeps repeating that. And he said, you know, he, he made the reporters eat their words when they all kind of joked around and said when he said he was going to they were going to go four and oh to start. They all kind of laughed at him. And now they turned around and he said, you guys don't you guys thought I was joking, but I was being dead serious. So I think the confidence and the tone from Nico Miritich has me more more believing that he believes that in, in himself more so than he ever did before. And at the same time, I feel like this isn't really a ploy as in terms of confidence for the Bulls, but more so trying to sell himself to another team when he can get traded in January 15th. Do you think he wants to be on this Bulls roster if he continues to play this well? Do you think he, at January 15th he changes his mind and says, hey, you know what, I'll stay in the situation I'm in. This might help me long term. Um, or do you see him saying, nah, let you, let's go find a different situation? To me, it's interesting. Like the The real X factor there is how much Nico has sort of come to terms with the fact that he and Bobby can at least on a surface level, get along because it seems like the feud has died down since Nico has come back. They're playing well together. Like Nico and Bobby's plus minus as a duo is the best on the bulls right now since Nico came back, which is hilarious in so many ways. But if Nico decided, Hey, like, Maybe I was kind of taking it too far and just being too overly sensitive with the whole me or him ultimatum. And I can coexist with Bobby. Chicago's always where Nico wanted to be, even when he, you know, quote unquote, tested the free agency market last summer. Let's be real. Nobody really wanted him. He wanted to stay in Chicago. He's happy here. His family feels like they are happily settled here. And I think that was always his first choice was to sign another sign an extension with the Bulls. And stay here. If he if he feels wanted by his teammates and the front office and the Bobby stuff is, in fact, water under the bridge, then, yeah, I think Nico wants to stay here. I, I still I still for him, for his sake and for the Bulls sake in general, if they can get anything of value. And that's the thing that he still got the like the cards are still in his hand. He still has that no trade clause. So if he makes that, it's really ultimately his decision. It's not. So, so much more questioning whether or not the Bulls can get something for him. Because if we're talking in terms of him playing at this type of level to January 15th, somebody's going to be interested. Somebody that's trying to contend, somebody that needs a piece is going to come at Nico Miritich. His contract's not that bad for his, if, if he continues to play this well for that type of play and for a contender, he might, the situation might work out for him. But ultimately, cards are in Nico's hands. So if he decides, hey, you know what, maybe I can work this out and this might play into my long-term game in, in terms of maybe coming back with the bulls or going somewhere else when I don't have that team option anymore for 2018. So there, I, I think 
as much as we want him to get moved, and I think it, personally, I think you have to move one of the, one of the two, Bobby Portis or Nico Miritich, just for the long term game. I still think it's going to be difficult. And if Nico all of a sudden doesn't want to change routes, then now what do you do? Do you keep both guys there? And it, I think there's just a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions in terms of whether or not this plays out. And Nico continues to play this way. Yeah. And we, you know, we heard from Casey Johnson at the Trib earlier this week that the Bulls front office are, in fact, making initial, you know, outreaches uh, to various executives around the league to just kind of gauge to see what the trade value is for both Robin Lopez, who most everybody expected they would at least, you know, see what was out there as far as offers for him, but also Nico, even though he is back and happily back and it seems like everybody's getting along right now but really as you mentioned Jordan like even if the Bulls are making those inquiries now if Nico is in fact happy and wants to stay he has that trade veto in his in his back pocket so I mean to me it's a no-brainer if Nico continues to play well and actually ups his trade value from essentially zero to some non-zero number, non-zero value, where you might be able to get a late first round, even an early second round pick for him, a young prospect for him. You make that trade. I mean, you sell high on Nico Miritich because you still don't know how how much longer this positive streak he's on. Like, there's no way he's finishing this season shooting above 50% and above 50% from downtown. Like, that's just not happening. The num- His numbers are going to regress. So can you sell high for him? Can you move past any lingering friction between him and Bobby Portis by moving Nico? And also perhaps like, and, and, and I kind of wrote about this on LockedOnBulls.com yesterday in that column. Like it's like, it makes sense to trade him either way. Either this is an anomaly and Nico isn't this good, but he's just upping his trade value at a perfect time and he will regress. Or maybe these improvements we're seeing from Nico are here to stay, and all he needed was a an offensive system that was more cohesive to his skill set. And now with Butler gone and Wade gone and Rose gone, he has that. Okay, well then, if it is actually not a coincidence that Nico is back and the Bulls have won four straight, I'm sorry, would you rather have Nico Miritich or that lottery pick next summer? Because I would rather have that lottery pick next summer. So Nico is actually doing you a disservice if his play is contributing to wins in your win loss call. Yeah, and you're also not going to fleece any team either. It's it, it's not like any team that is remotely interested in Nico Miritich hasn't scouted him over the last three years. And they're not going to just all of a sudden say, oh yeah, he's playing well for six weeks. So all of a sudden he's a brand new player. Like they know what, they know what his flaws are. They know what he is and they know what, what he isn't. And so you're not going to fleece anybody either. And I think this is what's going to make Bulls fans the most angry that like Nico Miritich that are fans of Nico Miritich is that I think the, the reality of what you would get back for Nico Miritich isn't all that high. Even if he does play well for six weeks, I don't think it's that high. And I think Bulls fans are going to be mad at the front office if they do, in fact, move him for something like maybe a second round pick, or maybe you can combine him and somebody else on the Bulls to take on a bad contract with something young. I think that's best case scenario. But at the same time, you're not going to fleece any team around the NBA. They know who Nico Miritich is and they know who he is. And so that's also got to play a factor in too. But it can only help his value in terms of what the Bulls can get if he can continue to play well for six weeks. And you also have to consider the fact that, I mean, the Bulls are without a second round pick because of that, uh, because of the trade, the Doug McDermott OKC trade, like they handed one away to get campaign. And now like if the Bulls are in fact a team that winds up in, you know, somewhere 
one, two, or three, then you're talking about a overall pick number 31, 32, 33. Like that is a value. Even if the Bulls are able to get a second round pick back for Nico, I would gladly take that. With that too. So here I've got a couple, I've <laughs> cut an advanced analytic for you um, from Matt Moore from CBS Sports. He is also one of those people that still isn't buying the whole Nico Miritich uh, craze right now. And so he tweeted this. He said, in the last four games, all Bulls wins. They are 6.4 points worse in net rating with Nico Miritich on the floor. So that's 104 minutes. Uh, They are 37.6 points better with Bobby Portis on the floor. He says, up the Portis, down the Nico. So there's an advanced analytic. And what's funny is... That all translates to what Nico isn't doing. And if you can tell the the majority of what he's doing right now is contributing on the offensive end. What's here's another crazy fact for you in 104 minutes, Nico Miritich has zero assists, zero assists. That's that's hard to do. That's really really hard to do when you're on the floor for that much time to not have a single random coincidental assist of like, oh, hey, look, I made the extra pass zero assists that's crazy so for for these four games it's been fun it's been more competitive it's been fun to watch these young guys to start to play well and like the system starting to click in these four games and i think the the takeaway of it all and we haven't seen marketing for the last two games in this win streak but the takeaway from it all, I think, is Chris Dunn. Is Chris Dunn's confidence in? I, I know we keep re- repeating this. It sounds kind of like a broken record, but I think that's the utmost importance in part of his game is the, the level of confidence he's playing on the floor and even struggling, like we had talked about on Wednesday through the first three quarters and having the resiliency to come back, make tough shots, and control that game down at the end. So I, I don't know. I'm. I think people around the league are also be quickly becoming and. Uh, realizing that Chris Dunn might be the real deal and he's not broken like a lot of Timberwolves fans said last year. So yeah, let's go to the best and worst one of our segments here on Fridays that we like to do. So the best and the worst of the Bulls this week. So our best and worst dramatically changes from last week when we did this. <laughs> but it was hard to come across something good, right? <laughs> considering the Bulls have won four straight here and now they're headed to Milwaukee 90 miles north tonight to take on the bucks but before we get into that let's do best and worst so matt give me your best and worst of the bulls this week okay well i'll start us off with the worst and really what when we it was a week of just the bulls winning basketball games the, the bulls have won four straight and as i said like it, it it was a nice break after that 10 game losing streak that felt like it lasted several months if there is a worst element to this past week of bulls basketball it's the fact that they climbed out of the basement just barely. And we, you know, we, uh, we didn't have a Thursday show and we usually do our tankathon update. So just to give you a quick one here while we're doing best worst, the bulls officially do not have the worst record in the NBA as of Friday, December 15th, the Atlanta Hawks, just six wins, 22 losses. The bulls now sit at seven and 20. So, and I said, let's all not panic. The bulls are going to go back to their losing ways. Most likely Nico's going to cool off. The Bulls are going to play some more talented opponents than the 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 reeling Jazz, the Knicks, the the Hornets, and a depleted Boston team. Like more losses are on the way. But if there is a negative to the wins that we saw the Bulls accumulate over the past week, it's the fact that they uh, did have a great opportunity. Like they were in the driver's seat 
to get the most ping pong balls. And right now they're not. So the Bulls were looking like a lock for the worst record last Thursday. 538 had them projected for 18 total wins on the season, four fewer than any other team. Seven days later, after this Bulls four-game winning streak, they're up to a 25-win projection tied with the Phoenix Suns and behind those six-win Atlanta Hawks who are projected for 22. So there that is. I guess if there is a worst part of this Bulls winning streak week, it's the fact that they are no longer the odds-on favorites to win that number one slot for the NBA draft lottery. So my best of the week comes against the Jazz. It's got to be the knockdown shot. I already talked about it, so I'm not going to repeat it for anybody, but it's the knockdown shot, Chris Dunn. And then staunchly walking over to the fans and repeating F him, F him. It was one of my favorite moments this season already, and I love it. Uh, Personally, everybody loved it around the NBA too. And I think it's kind of funny because I'm pretty sure he was talking to Donovan Mitchell because there was some trash talk going on between him and Donovan Mitchell. Um, throughout that game but also there's kind of a slight where people were making a joke that maybe he's talking about Tom Thibodeau here just slightly just slightly saying that he can knock down a shot so that was my best of the week my worst of the week honestly there isn't too much here um the Bulls obviously I think I'm going to take the more traditional route here and saying nearly losing that 10 point lead that they had against the Knicks. They let the Knicks come back and shorten that game. I think that was in, in terms of basketball exodus and O's. Um, that was where we kind of slightly saw, uh Oh, okay. Maybe the bulls are going back to what they normally did, but they were able to close out that game. So there wasn't a whole lot of worst for the bulls. Um, but in terms of potentially almost blowing a lead that happened during the Knicks game. So that's my best and worst of the week. I mean, we covered it and I could also throw another one here real quick. Best of the week. Um, I'll give Nico for his comments post game uh, at, at the Utah Jazz because that, those were phenomenal. I was laughing and I was also kind of like, all right, Nico, Nico wants to play the way, you know, he wants people to respect him, put some respect on the man's name. And he's certainly given it to the Bulls so far in these four games um, to wrap up. I want to talk about something that happened outside of a Bulls game this week. So Paul George returned to Indiana for the first time and I caught this video early on in the game where fans were booing Paul George as he went to the line. And every time he touched the ball for pretty much the first quarter, uh, they were booing him heavily. And there were shots from ESPN. Shout out to ESPN's camera work too here because this was awesome. They were grabbing fans, literally wearing Paul George jerseys, booing Paul George. I thought it was the most ridiculous thing ever. I don't care if you've got the name taped on the back of your jersey. The one guy was wearing an Eastern Conference All-Stars Paul George jersey, so you've got no excuse. The one guy that that was wearing the Pacers jersey, okay, I get it. They're expensive. You don't want to replace it. But still, all right, if you're that mad, mad at Paul George, why are you repping his jersey then? And the fact that they're mad at Paul George it shouldn't be their anger. Like it's, it's like we talk about here with the bulls when their anger isn't located in the one spot that it should be. They should be mad at Larry bird for putting trash players around Indiana and not giving them an opportune time and an opportune window to actually compete for a championship while poor Paul George was still there. And ultimately he wanted out. And so that's, that's not really his fault, but I thought that was, I thought that was harsh from Indiana fans. Do you think this would have happened if the same situation in which Paul George had, went down with Butler by saying, you know, oh, I want to bring a championship to Indiana. And then three days later saying that he wants out of Indiana. He's not going to resign there. Do you think Bulls fans would react the same way to Jimmy Butler? I don't, I mean, I, I hope not. Look, I do not get the hate 
that's getting thrown at Paul George. And obviously, you know, it's not every Pacers fan out there, but it just like right. there's a guy who's been getting attention with those signs like Paul George is a cupcake and a snake. That dude you, was wearing a like, Paul George jersey. Like, wearing a Paul George jersey. The other like you wanted better teammates. We needed a better leader. Paul, Indiana misses you. Just joking. Like, really, if if anything, Paul George did the Pacers franchise a favor by saying, hey, look, I'm going to leave in free agency. So if you want, trade me and get something for me now, as opposed to getting nothing. And look like the, 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 a couple of those Pacers teams that went as far as what the Eastern conference finals against Miami made things interesting. They were relevant, but the like Larry Bird and the Pacers never put a good enough squad around Paul George to get past LeBron. Whether it was Miami, whether it's Cleveland, I'm sorry, how many other Eastern Conference teams have had that exact same problem over the better part of the last decade? Because the answer is all of them, regardless of if you have a bona fide star in your team, regardless of if you have two. I mean, the, the Bulls had Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose, and Pau Gasol. And the, as far as they got was a two-to-one lead against LeBron in the conference semis. So is it Paul George's fault that he didn't have a good enough Pacers team around him to get them to the top? I don't think so. If anything, he did them a favor to say, hey, I'm probably going to leave, look to continue my career elsewhere. If you want, trade me so you can get something for me now. And what the Pacers fans should be doing is embracing Victor Oladipo as a as a budding star oh, and man, looking optimistically awesome. toward the future instead of being butthurt about Paul George. Give me a break. As far as if that's the way the Bulls fans would react if something similar happened to Jimmy Butler, I hope not. I'm so glad Victor Oladipo too, just real quick. I hope I'm so glad Victor Oladipo is doing so well. Now he got himself in incredible shape compared to his first couple seasons in the league. And he is, he's developed his game in a way that he's becoming a budding superstar. And I love it. The guy is a phenomenal guy too. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met my entire life. And I'm glad he's back in a place where he's, 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 asked to be the guy and he's delivering on that and also too on the Paul George thing like I'm talking especially like the last couple years that Paul George was around specifically maybe the last two or three years when you know Roy Hibbert was pretty much disappeared off the face of the earth my Uh, god Hibbert ghost yeah seriously and you know what what's funny about him is he hasn't retired officially yet he's just kind of disappeared and there was an article written about him a couple weeks ago where it was kind of weird to see a guy at like be one of the dominant centers in the league for a couple of years. And they just completely fall flat off the NBA earth. I mean, like, do you remember how pitiful his box scores were in some of those games against the heat in that Eastern conference final oh, series? Man, a few years no. ago? It that was literally was like he went from being one of the most dominant centers in the league to completely useless. But yeah, let's, let's all get really angry at Paul George. Yeah. So they should be mad at Larry bird for putting guys around him. Like, Lavoy Allen and Jan Mahini and some of these other guys that they Lance thought Stevenson. Like, I mean, come on, the guy's great for entertainment and, and and clips on you know video clips on Twitter of acting like a ridiculous moron. But what like that's that's your 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 best sidekick, one of your better sidekick options offensively to Paul George. You expect that team to get to the finals? Give me a break. And I'll say this: I think I think Lance Stevenson's worst move, and everybody can agree with this, was was going to Charlotte and leaving Indiana behind and thinking that he was better than he actually was. And it's turned out that, you know, his best situation in terms of playing has been in Indiana and he's been at least Pacers fans can like on a, you know, on a surface level, appreciate him for his silliness. Like at, at least to just be like a fan, like, like, you know, rowdy up the crowd guy. 
So I think I think just in terms to bring it all for, for full circle, though, back to my original question about Butler and how this would have played out. I, I just I don't think that I think I, like in terms of Derrick Rose coming back too. I know that's a different situation, but even the weird stuff that happened towards the end um, when he left the Bulls, he still got an awesome reception at the United Center and obvious because he's from Chicago. So there's a little bit closer connection. But in terms of like Butler coming back and if he had said, you know what, I want I want to stay with the Bulls. And then a couple of days later, it leaked that, you know what, this isn't the situation for me. I'm out and I'm not going to resign here, whatever the case. I still don't think Bulls fans would have reacted pissed off or mad because the Bulls were sort of in the same boat as the Pacers. It's like kind of hanging out in mediocrity, don't really know what we're doing and have a superstar here that yeah. isn't winning. And also, I mean, another point to that as far as underappreciating your superstar is Bulls fans had to deal with the painful reality of Derrick Rose being a shade, a fraction of his former self before the ACL tear and after. Paul George, while playing for Team USA Basketball, suffered one of the most gruesome leg injuries I've ever seen and then came back and had a phenomenal NBA season after that rehab process. And all the work that goes into that, and you never know when there are serious injuries like that, what the player will look like when they come back. And Paul George came back phenomenally well, just as good of a player as he was before that awful leg injury. And... Look, just, you know, look a little to your left, Pacers fans over here in Chicago. We did not get that lucky when it came to a major injury to our superstar. So, you know, maybe quit your bitching a little bit. (laughs) All right. So to wrap up real quick. So I'm headed up to Milwaukee tonight. I'm going to go watch the Bulls and the Bucks. Funny thing is I spent more money at the BMO Harris Bank Center up there whatever it's called, the pavilion, whatever it is. Spent more money up there on those games to watch the Bucks than I have on the Bulls this year. So I'm going to go up, catch that away game. I'm going to see if I can find some. I'm going to do some locked on Bulls investigation here. And I'm going to try and stop as many people I see wearing Bulls gear. I'm going to try to at least have like a 30 to two minute conversation with them. Just get an idea. Hopefully maybe I can get some audio too as well to play on Monday. Um, But I want to get I want to get on the concourse level, talking with Bulls fans, seeing how they're reacting to all of this. And I think it could be fun. It could turn and spin into a fun conversation. But I'm excited to see Giannis play again tonight. This is the third time I've seen him already this year. <laughs> Two, yeah. oh my! If you haven't got a chance to get up to Milwaukee and just go see a game, if you're so mad at the Bulls and don't even want to spend your money at the United Center, I mean, to watch a guy that's going to be a perennial all-star, he's going to be the superstar once LeBron if he ever retires, he's going to be the next superstar. So go up there and get it while it's cheap because tickets are still cheap up there too. So I'm going to be up there tonight in Milwaukee. I'm, you know, if the Bulls can keep competitive tonight again and maybe keep this win streak rolling, I'm not going to be mad because I'll at least be there live seeing it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just jealous that you get to see the Greek freak up close and personal. Uh, I have not seen him live in a while. It's been at least since last season early last season, but I mean, everybody's talking about how James Harden's going to run away with the MVP this year. LeBron at, you know, age 33 is putting up ridiculous numbers. But as you said, as LeBron kind of fades out, you know, like KD is a little bit younger. Steph's a little bit younger. You know, if the Warriors stay together, they'll, they'll be, you know, kind of owning that for a while longer, but Giannis Antetokounmpo led by Giannis is the future of the NBA, along with a few other guys. You know, you talk about Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, but keep in mind, I mean, he's been in the league for a while now, but he's still only 23 years old. That's insane. 23 years old. He's averaging 30 and 10 this season. 
with a player efficiency rating of 31.35. That is insane. Well, I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Remember, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Live on Dash Radio tomorrow, dashradio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm going to mash up, and it's going to be a mashup of everything that we've done this week. Some awesome, really cool segments on there. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to all the content we did this week, All the best segments are going to be on Dash Radio for a full hour tomorrow. So DashRadio.com, the Dash Radio app, 100% free on the Nothing But Net channel. uh, Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com, Locked On Shy Bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts. You will find us. Have a safe and great weekend. Enjoy the Bulls-Bucks game tonight if you're going to watch it. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back on Monday with a fresh episode. From Jordan and Matt, we are out.